pain is is inevitable no matter what no matter what you're going to experience pain you're going to experience anguish you're going to experience a whole mess of a whole mess of hurt and regardless of whether or not you're ready for it i think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for growth in that pain and the funny thing about it is that it, it might <laughs> it'll last a while it'll last a little bit it may last for a really long time it may it may last for a really short time but but it's gonna it's gonna be there it's gonna hit you at some point this episode of the thousand ways to say the same thing podcast is is gonna be an episode about me uh and and my life and and what's happened to me in my life that uh that has caused some some pain and some anguish and I don't know. I think it's a good thing that people know about it because if I didn't believe in if I didn't believe in what I was doing here and what I've been doing for the last couple years to to try to prove something to to myself it's it's all been, you know, it's all been for nothing. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some pain. So, welcome back, everybody. Um, like I said, I'm gonna do my best to get to get as many of these out as I can. I'm gonna get on a uh, I'll get on a set schedule, and that set schedule is gonna be one or two episodes every every week. That's what that's what you guys get. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I've been putting I've been putting episodes off because I've been going through a lot of a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression as of late. Um, for whatever reason, I don't I don't know 100 percent why. So hopefully I can, <clears throat> hopefully I can figure it out as uh, as I talk about it. But you know what? It's it happens. It's it's an inevitable part of life. Like I was saying, pain is gonna be there, and it's gonna be. It's like that. It's like that. Uh, it's like that annoying pain that you get in uh in your lower back because you sit on your fat stack wallet so much or it's just walking around and it it's like waking up early in the morning it's it's all that stuff that you really don't like doing sorry i couldn't pull up a uh uh or think of a better analogy my bad um so if i'm being completely honest just straight straightforward uh i think i think it's just commonplace in in everyone's lives today of the uh 
the amount of, of stress and pressure and I would say just overwhelming dread. I, I seem, I seem to see that in a lot of people. And I know from previous episodes and, you know, conversations I've had with other people that I usually come off as some really cheery, some nice, you know, philosophical type of type of guy. And the only reason why I've, I've gotten that way is because I've tried to work through a lot of this pain and anguish. And, and, uh, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, the goal of this podcast is to, to help, help people find the things that find the cues to their life that, that they need. So if, uh, if, if this helps, if this works for somebody, just letting it out, let it out, you know, I think for a big, a big part of my life, I have, since I was a kid, I think I've, I've always wanted to be a hero and a hero in whatever sense of the word, whether that's, you know, if you think of the first thing that you think of when you hear hero, you know, like Iron Man, Captain America, any of the Avengers, Batman, Superman, those guys. Yeah. That's the first thing, you know, that a lot of people think of, you know, and then you have your, those are superheroes. Then you have your everyday heroes, your policemen, your firefighters, your, you know, your doctors, your nurses, you know, the men and women in everyday commonplace that sacrifice parts of their life to be better for the greater good. You know, that's, 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 that's a person, that's a hero. And then you have heroes that are in your life because they're just in your life. You know, those are, those are the people that you choose. Yeah, Sometimes you don't choose them because they could be your family. They could be your friends, but then you have heroes that are around you that, you know, you didn't even, you didn't even know were heroes. I have, uh, I have a lot of people in my life. I have a lot of coaches, a lot of friends, a lot of family. And I can honestly say that I'm surrounded by extremely, extremely wise and, and memorable people. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of heroes and I think the purpose of my life was to do just that in some way. You know, from, from an early age, I've always wanted to be a person that I wanted to be a writer, you know, an artist. Uh, I wanted to paint and I wanted to sketch and draw. Yeah, I wanted to do comic books. I wanted to do all that kind of stuff. And then I wanted to do, I wanted to be a, a writer as well. So I was, I wanted to get my words and my stories out there and then and then, uh, and then I found sports and I was like, okay, I've always, this is, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. Like I would love to be, I would love to be the, a baseball player who, you know, 
on the side still has his, you know, still writes and still reads and still does all that cool stuff. In no way, shape, or form am I crying for myself in this episode. What I want out of this episode is for people to understand that, dude, shit happens. Bad stuff happens, and and you're going to be left with a whole lot of scars, a whole lot of pain. And, and you're just going to have to work your way through it. But I'm not crying for myself. I'm not saying poor me. I'm not doing any of that. I've done that for way too long. And, you know, sometimes it catches, sometimes it catches up with me and, and, and then stuff like this happens where this last month I've completely dropped off of everything that I love doing because I start feeling sorry for myself. So, I mean, I can, I can give you the, the abridged version version version. I can give you the abridged version. Um, but at some point, uh, at some point or another, I was born, uh, I was born and, uh, my mom got pregnant with me, uh, very early. She was still in high school. Um, she was still in high school. My dad was, was outside of high school. Uh, and, I grew up in a Hispanic household, so you know how that works, you know, or whoever doesn't know, all my Hispanics out there know, but whoever doesn't know, majority of the time you're, when, uh, when you're in a Hispanic household, you're going to spend a lot of time with your grandparents, your grandma and grandpa are going to raise you. So I spent a lot of time with my grandma and my grandpa, um, growing up, you know, and I don't know about you, but only a handful, a, a real handful of relationships really are destined to still be together throughout high school, especially when you add the added stress of a child. So, um, naturally, naturally my, my mom and my dad split up. They were married for about six years, I think five or six years. I was maybe, I, I honestly can't remember anywhere between the ages of four and six when they separated and it was going back and forth from, you know, between the two of them, um, with like joint custody and stuff. Uh, and that, you know, I, I don't, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here for anybody's pity. I just want everyone to know that statistically i think now in the united states what the divorce rate is up to like 55 60 65 percent so it's it's happening it's happening a lot more and uh if you if you come from a broken home i I know what it's like and i know what that feels like you know i'm i come from broken home my uh my girlfriend she comes from broken home as well you know my my cousin who was on the last episode same thing man like a lot of people, a lot of people that I know personally come from those those broken home dynamics, and that that takes a toll. Uh, so yeah, my my mom and dad split up uh, when I was really young, and I remember going back and forth, and um, 
and there was a, you know, the, having to go to the court cases and the court hearings and all that stuff. I didn't have to go to them. I was always in the, I was always in the, uh, the court. I was always either at school or the court, like daycare, um, just chilling, uh, a couple times. I, I can remember like my dad coming to pick me up out of it and taking me home. But I think that might've been the day I went to go live with him. Uh, I do remember, I do remember vividly that, uh, I did go to the, I don't know if it was a court ordered like psychologist or if it was a court ordered, um, if it was a court ordered psychologist or a court ordered, uh, uh, just like an attorney, but I remember speaking to them and I don't know if any, if there's any parents out there listening <clears throat> that are in the middle of a, of a divorce, keep your kids out of it. Uh, cause they're, uh, if, if you do take them to that court ordered psychologist, they're going to ask, they're, they're going to ask your child if, uh, who they love more, who they love more and who they, who they want to be living with more. I guess that's a big factor in the decision-making process, but overall it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't say that it affects me now, but I can definitely remember back then. I, I mean, I can definitely remember coming off of the decision that I made, excuse me. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily make a decision because they're my parents, both from my parents. And, you know, as a kid, you, you're just kind of dumb, you know, and I, I love them both. I love them both. And honestly, I mean, it was so long ago, but I can't clearly say that I made a decision on who I went to go live with. Um, but I ended up living with my dad. So I, I could have, I could have sided that way. Not to say that my mom was a bad mom or anything, but I, that really was just, I don't know. I could have just, it could have been a lot of factors. Um, so after, you know, after, after that situation, um, I think it was about six or seven when, uh, from they their divorce finalized, I think. Regardless, it finalized, and my mom got remarried to my stepdad, and uh, and he was joining the military at the time. Uh, so after after it had been, I think after we they had deliberated, and I had gone to go live with my dad, my mom got married. Was, my mom got married very shortly after, after the divorce finalized. And then he was going to go off to basic training and then eventually going to be stationed in Germany. So I think within the span of like a year or two years, <clears throat> we went right back to my, my dad and my mom went right back to court. And, uh, same, same thing happened where, you know, I was put in the middle of a lot of, of a lot of things that I didn't understand. And a lot of, uh, I think it's, Mostly knowing that knowing that someone at the end of the day was going to get 
hurt and was going to get upset by it. And I'd never, I've never really liked that. You know, I've, I've always wanted to be a hero. I've always wanted to be a, a good decision maker. And I've definitely have made mistakes in my life. I, I've definitely made mistakes in my life that I've learned from and, and, and I'm a better person for it. But, you know, when making, when, uh, when, when you're trying to make decisions as a kid and everyone's looking at you to, you see, you know, you, you know what's going on. You kind of understand that it's between your mom and your dad. You, you kind of, you know, that you don't want to hurt anyone or, you know, either one of them. So it's, it's pretty, I would say it's pretty damaging. I would say it's pretty traumatic under under the circumstance I mean depending on how smart that kid is and I'm not bragging I'm not saying that I was a smart kid but I mean I was in gate when I was in elementary school and those for the smart kids so <laughs> so um I mean I I understood the concept of what was going on I knew that we weren't living together I knew that it was there was some issues going on between the two and my mom was leaving and this could, I mean, when they ask you again, where, who do you want to live with? Uh, you know, that's kind of, that's really shit. Especially as a kid, when, when you don't want to see your mom cry, you don't want to see your dad cry. Uh, you know, so my mom was living in an apartment. My dad was living back home with his parents right after, right after the divorce. And I was just going back and forth and I would always see them both and I would spend time with both of them. I think I had joint custody and then and then eventually after the second court case, the second court hearing or whatever, um, the judge ruled that I would stay with my dad because I was in school. I was in school. Uh I was in school, I had friends, you know, I had all this stuff. Every I was established back here in, you know, California and my mom and my stepdad were gonna move to Germany. Um they were going to move to Germany and that was not good. You know, the judge wasn't going to take me out of my, my dad Caesar's care and they weren't going to do that. It's not a good judge. So I, I live with my dad. And then shortly after that, my mom moved away to Germany and she was in Germany for, she was in Germany for three years. I think it was about, I was eight. My mom moved, I think I, I was roughly like six and a half, seven. My, mo- my, my mom moved away. Then I turned eight of the summer, that following summer. And then um, I uh, I flew out to Germany by myself. Yeah, it's a fucking long plane ride, 12 hours uh, to Germany to go see my mom. And... And, uh, that was cool. That was a cool summer just going out there to see my mom. But honestly, you know, it's really weird when you haven't seen your mom in a really long time. And then you go out there and she's pregnant and she's going to have your sister. And, you know, you haven't really spent a lot of time with your stepdad. So you're trying to get to know him. You're still young. So you're getting to know your mom and and all that stuff. And I, I was short lived, you know, it was two months and it was really sad. Um, until I had to say goodbye and come back. I saw I saw my mom, I think, once once in Germany over the course of three years. And I think she might have flown back 
once or twice and I saw her very shortly uh, in the span of in the span of three years and you know uh, as a perceptive young adult uh, not young adult like a young teenage preteen young boy nine ten years old I completely understood if if you know under you know your parents you know that they're upset you know that they're angry and if there's anything that I can attribute uh, if there's anything I can attribute to to my my dad growing up I saw him really angry for a really long time and and this is this is from my mom's perspective of what I've talked to her about but there was times where my dad refused to let me talk to her over the phone refused to let me you know this was early 2000 so they refused to let me talk to her over the phone not talk to her not just a lot of stuff uh I've never talked to my dad about that but you know it's I I definitely knew that my dad was upset and over the course of time, like, you know, you're growing up. My dad was, <coughs> I was, uh, my dad and my mom got married when my mom was 17. And then my dad was like 20. Um, and then they got married. So my dad sees her. He's, I'm 21 turning 22 a dude's 20 years older than me, so he's like 42 now. Yeah, 42, I think he just turned 42. So it, it hit me. It's hit me a couple times where when I was when I was 20, when I was when I was 20 last year and I was living in an apartment and trying to make ends meet, I could not fathom the idea of having a kid and having to take care of myself and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do with my life. And it wasn't until after I was done being a piece of shit dickhead to everybody that I understood the, the kind of shit that my dad had to go through when when he was taking care of me and my and my mom was gone. And, and it was rough. Like, it was rough just trying to make ends meet on my own um, with Bailey in, in an apartment. And it's like shit, man, I could not imagine having a kid there. <laughs> so I grew up watching this. I, I grew up and my dad, you know, being the age that I'm at now, <laughs> he's trying to figure out what he's trying to do. And, and, you know, he has to take care of me. So this dude is <sighs> busting his ass and getting frustrated. And he's basically in the same spot that I'm at with my life now, but he has the added stress of having a kid. So he can't really take time to figure out his life. So he's getting angry and he's getting resentful at, at, you know, my mom and, and I not never me. And I know that because even now and after hearing the story, even now you're definitely going to understand the dynamic, but, uh, yeah, man, like he was, he was growing up, he was learning to be a man trying to raise a man and that's just you know it wasn't fair it, w it wasn't fair to anybody to 
not to my dad, not to my mom, not to me to be put in a shitty position like that. Um, so back to where I was, you know, so I saw my mom maybe once, once or twice in the span of three years. Um, and growing up with, growing up with my dad, it was always, you know, I always, I didn't want to disappoint him because I knew that he was, you know, I, I, I think it's more that you don't have an even balance of, uh, masculinity and, and femininity. So I didn't, I, I didn't really have that balance of where I could go and talk, talk to a, a female figure and, and get the balance of, of that love aspect that, you know, that a mom provides too often. You know, I had my grandparents, I had my aunts, I had all that, but it's not like, it's, it's not, the, um, it's not the love that you get from mom. I had my grandma, my, my grandma's on both sides. But that's still not like it's not your mom, so you know it's always been with with my dad. It's always been, you know, I don't I don't want to disappoint him, and I don't want to upset him because because of and and I found this out later in my life that I didn't want to disappoint him because I don't know if it was back then, but I knew that. When I started getting old enough, I I couldn't disappoint him for everything he did for me. And then later on down my life, I started thinking about why that was bothering me, why I couldn't ever let him down, and why nothing was ever good enough for him. So, um, my mom moves back to my mom moves back to Kansas. Uh, after her three year stint out there in Germany with, with my stepdad and she's closer. I'm going into middle school and now, you know, I'm heavily invested in sports and I'm still drawing. I'm still writing. I'm still doing all this stuff. And, uh, and now for like winter and, and summer breaks, I can go out and see my mom in Kansas every now and then. So that was, I saw her a little bit more. I started getting to know her better and my stepdad better and my sister my little sister and and she got pregnant again and had my little brother so it's you know I, I started having a little bit better relationship with him but you can really only learn somebody and know somebody so much after you know two months out of the year in summer and like three or four weeks out in winter so it's over the course of time I did my best as a kid but I think when, when, uh, when something drastic like that happens early on in your life, I think you set up this, this really big wall, really big force field around, around your heart and your soul that doesn't really want to let the person who hurts you in, even if it, even if it's not, even if you're not consciously thinking, oh, you hurt me on purpose. It's, I think it's really hard and it's been really hard for me to move on and move past all that. I know my mom didn't leave me on purpose. I know she didn't leave me like, Oh, I hate you get fucked deuces. No, she had her reasons too. And, and you know, it's, it is what it is. And I, I love, I love my mom and, and she's the best mom that she is to me. And, and she, 
no matter what is is my mom and I love her and she's the best mom that she is to my my little brother my little sister and I can't you know I'm not gonna sit here and say oh I hate my mom because because she left me no if if and this all comes full circle but if 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 I didn't learn from that pain in my life, I didn't learn from that anguish, I wouldn't be the person I am here today. So, yeah, I would go out every every summer and, and winter break. I would go see them or she would come out here. And I would go on for um for, for a while. I think she was out in Kansas for like six years up until I went into high school. Up until I went into high school. And... And, you know, this whole time I'm, I'm growing with my dad and, you know, he's turning 30 and most guys don't start being dads until they're like 28, 30. And here I am already like 13, 14 going into high school. And we've had our, you know, we had a, uh, we've had a, a great relationship until, up until that point where, where, you know, I rely on him. He relies on me and, and no matter what. I can't, I can't disappoint him because, I mean, and again, it's, this is just, this is just the stuff that goes on in my mind. This is just the stuff that's going on. And I don't, I haven't talked to anybody professionally about this and I, I probably should at some point, but, um, you know, you, you're growing up with, you're growing up with, with one parent, that parent kind of unhealthily becomes, you know, your only source of, you know, your only source of, uh, not inspiration, but I would say your only source of, of security as far as what a parent does for you. So my dad and I were as thick as thieves, you know, I was getting, I was getting really good at baseball coming up into high school. I was starting to do football. I was just learning from him at every at every corner doing doing everything I could to make him proud and right before right before high school uh we lose our house uh we lose our house I think we had lost two houses up until that point and and we move in with my grandparents right down the street from my high school and then I enter high school and and this is where things get really, really fun uh, in a weird cosmic way. Um, so my freshman year at high school, I didn't end up, I didn't go to baseball camp in, during the summer. I was out in Florida, uh, on a vacation with my mom, um, I was out there and I was, uh, I, I came back and I went to the football camp and I made my friends, you know, I made some friends at my, my, at the freshman football camp, but I didn't go to the baseball camp. And if anything, if people know, um, if anybody knows about, you know, high school baseball, it's definitely political. They pick their teams out really early and I should have been there, but I did not And that, is kind of what took me out of playing football, uh, baseball at all. Um, that was one of the reasons why I didn't play baseball my my freshman and, and junior uh, my freshman my freshman year. 
Um, uh, I I go to I go to high school, a whole new high school. I was I I wasn't originally going to school down about forty five minutes away from my house um, in San Diego County. So when I moved up to this place and up in up in Riverside County, up in Marietta, I didn't know anybody. So I was a new kid on the block and uh, I had to make friends really fast. I was always good at making friends, but I had to make friends really fast. And and uh, I made my friends and, and that was cool. I played I played football. I started. I was that was that was really cool. I was getting through a season and oh boy midway through midway through the season midway through the season uh so my mom moves back uh my mom moved back to California this summer before I went into high school because I was going down to school in in San Diego County area she moved down there she wanted me to live with her finally so I can stay with her and she have a turn you know, raising me because I've been with my dad for so long and just continue going to school down there, meeting all those people, just, you know, not really leaving that area. Um, but my dad had already enrolled me up in school up there and he wasn't going to let that happen. So they moved back. Uh, I went on that vacation and then they lived down in, in that San Diego County area. And I was up, up here going to school and I would go and see them every like weekend every weekend every other weekend and then midway through my freshman year um and i know uh, i i know a majority of this sounds like just normal normal kid stuff normal growing up stuff you know divorced parents that's understandable divorced parents that's understandable um you know mom moving away that kind of stuff not seeing them that's understandable you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty solid stuff. And I do have, you know, I've, I've moved past all that stuff and, you know, I'm moving, I've, I've learned from a lot of that stuff, a lot of the, a lot of that pain and anguish and pressure that I felt around both parents all the time. Um, midway through my the first semester of my freshman year, my mom hits me with, uh, she hits me with a doozy of a of a statement and she asked me if she was <clears throat> goodness i don't know how to i don't know how to how to start it so my dad my dad's name is is caesar i'm you know uh i'm named after him uh, my stepdad name, uh, my stepdad's name is Brian. My mom, midway through the first uh, semester of high school, tells me that uh, in the best way that she can, that there's a possibility that Caesar is not my biological father. And over the course of over the course of a couple weeks, um, over the course of a couple of weeks, we, my mom and I met, met with the, met with my biological father. 
and took a paternity test and got the results back and um yeah turned out to be the case after living with my dad Caesar for up to like 15 years you know I mean my whole life uh, after my mom and him divorced and I stayed with him he was my soul you know my my soul provider my soul caregiver my soul parent what you know that's my dog right there and then I uh then I we found that out and yeah as you can kind of tell from my hesitancy to even talk about it it's it's still it's not raw it's not a raw wound but it's still one of those things where what it's been 2019 found that out in holy shit that was 20 oh my god that was like almost 10 years ago dog what the fuck wow oh my gosh it's been 10 years almost 10 years it's been like seven or eight years since i found that out and it's not it's not a raw wound anymore um at least not for me but it's still it's still one of those things where it was such a shock to my system it's such a shock to me that you know it's it's still it's still a shocking realization when 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 i think about it in terms of like my life and what happened to like what happened in my life and you know i was just i was just a kid going into high school and high school are your that's your development years man those are those are years as a teenager where you're figuring out who who you're trying to be you know who you're trying to be and what you're trying to do with your life trying to get to school trying to go to college trying to potentially find you know find a purpose and and man that was my first year of high school my first year of high school when that happened to me and and god bless god bless coach rasa for listening to me because the day i found out i mean the, the day that it, i i met with my biological father um jason i met with him on the sunday prior to school like prior to the school week Sunday I got dropped off at home on mon on Sunday night um and then Monday I was at school and you know obviously you know obviously with the weight on the world like the weight of the world on your shoulders like that you're, I I can't really tell anybody. I can't tell my dad. I can't tell my family. I can't tell anybody up like. And I was living in the house with my grandparents and my aunt and dog. Like they already weren't as they didn't really favor my mom already. Um, and I I definitely heard about that growing up. And you know what? What was I supposed to tell my my dad's side of the family that? Oh, hey guys. 
look, it's me. You're uh, you're not your biological grandparent or grandchild, uh, nephew, niece, whatever. That was shitty. So I went to school and I left early because by like second period, I was losing my fucking mind. So I went, uh, I went to see coach Rasa and coach Rasa, the high school that I went up that I went to is all about football. A lot of it's about football. They had a very good football program and starts off with a freshman football team and, and excellence from, from the start. You know, the rule is you don't, you don't fucking show up to practice. You don't play. So I, I went to go talk to him. I went to go talk to him and I told him what happened. I told him the whole story and he looked at me. And this man, like from you know, from the get, from from summer practice, like everything you hear about this guy is that he's this big hard ass, this big this big hard ass, this guy's gonna push you to your limits and make you do fucking up downs until your elbows bleed and shit and 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 he's very passionate, very passionate, very loving man. And then I, I tell him this and this dude's looking at me like, like he's sorry for me. You know, like this big, this big hard ass of a man is sorry, is sorry for me. And it's, it was a really touching moment because he looks at me and I, he's like, just go home, just go home. And I was like, what about practice? He's like, <laughs> he looks at me like I'm fucking crazy. Like, like I'm. Like I'm trying to like I he looks at me like I'm crazy for thinking about going to practice after doing all that stuff. And he looks at me and he's like, What? He's like, No, just go home. He's and and he literally he's like, You don't have to come you don't have to come to school. He's like, You don't have to go to practice. Don't worry about it. Just go figure it just just figure it out. You know, he's like, just just give yourself some time, man. And and I went home and I mispracticed that one day. And I called my mom. I called my mom and I let her know uh, that I was going to school. Oh, that I was leaving school. And then, uh, and I think, I believe what happened next was that she went to go to my dad's work. My dad sees his work and tell him that, tell him essentially everything from, I guess, whatever happened in their days as, as, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. And then, uh, and then my dad came home, my dad Caesar came home. When I refer to my dad, when I say dad, it's Caesar. Cause he's, he, he's been my father for my entire life. He's raised me. He's done everything, you know, for me. Not to say that I don't, not to say that I don't care about my stepdad, you know, cause I care about him too. And then I, I also care about my, my father, Jason, you know, I care about all of it. You know, I care about all three of them. You know, but when I refer to dad, that's, that's my dad, Caesar. So my dad comes home and we kind of sit, we talk about it. And, and again, it's like to give, to give kind of an example of 
of of where my head was at that point I, I felt like I had let everybody down I felt like I had personally let everybody down everybody on in my family down because for no reason I mean I didn't do it I didn't do anything but again here here I am here I am you know, in, in my dad's home and I'm, I'm thinking to myself how this is my fault. And, and again, it's, it's not to criticize the right, how I was raised by my dad, by my mom, by my grandparents or anybody. It's just, I felt like it was my fault. I, I felt like it was my, I felt like I fucked the problem up and I started this problem and I fucked everything up and it's my fault and it wasn't. And, <clears throat> Eventually, uh, and then I went back to school and I went back to practice the very next day and everyone was looking at me like they knew what happened. And only, I think, nobody did, but everyone, I mean, Coach Rasa knew, but the fact that I went to practice the very next day, Coach Rasa has always had my back after that. And he knows, he knows, he knows how rough it's been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from that point on, I mean, my dad and I had a very, very close relationship. I mean, him and I were as thick as thieves, man. And, and my dad has always struggled with depression and anxiety and, and anger and frustration. And, you know, and he's right. He's not right in doing so, but he has his reasons. He has his reasons. And it, I sit back and I think about how it would fuck with my mind too if I thought about it. About how the kid that I spent my entire life sacrificing for it wasn't mine. I just, you know, it's not like I can be angry at this kid. I can be angry at everything else, but fuck. Like, like, the. It's, it's hard, man. It's a hard thing to pinpoint. So it's really, it's just like a mind fuck, man. It's like, there's, and I, I, I praise, I praise my dad for the way he's come out of it. And it's been, oh man, like, yeah, it's been eight, nine years. And the dude, the dude has struggled with demons that have started from when he was a young boy. And I can only imagine got worse throughout that entire situation. So yeah, my dad and I were as thick as thieves and, you know, and he's openly admitted to me that he has anger and emotional issues and, and again, here I am, uh, a little kid, you know, and I'm, I'm trying not to upset my, my dad and I'm trying not to upset my mom, um, because I knew she felt bad and I'm also, you know, here's this, this new guy, this, this new guy, Jason, who I'm he wants to be, he wants to be a part of my life and he wants to be my friend. And, you know, I'm not opposed to getting to know him as a friend. And then, and from my perspective, from my perspective, I knew that my mom was, well, she wasn't trying to replace my dad as, you know, replace my dad with this, with, with this gentleman. He was just like, yeah, he's, you know, he's a, he's a good person to have in your life. He's a very positive person to have in your life. And 
you know, he is, he's a, he's, he's a very, he's a successful artist and, you know, it's, he, it's, it's just somebody that you can learn from another person that you can benefit from. Um, just, just benefit from, you cannot, you can never have too many, you know, you can never have too many people in your life that want to see you grow up and succeed, you know, and that's, that's what it was. So he, here I am on one side being, you know, talk, secretly texting, you know, secretly texting Jason, secretly talking about him with my mom and then coming back home to my dad's house and, <clears throat> and having to pretend like I'm not talking to him at all and not, not doing anything at all because I didn't want to piss my dad off. I didn't want to piss my grandparents off because they knew that this was a fucked up situation. So you know, my dad, my dad got angry and bitter about it. I got angry and bitter about it. And, and it just happens. It just happens, man. We just, we didn't, we didn't handle it the right way, you know, and my dad being, you know, in his mid thirties and me being a teenager, you couldn't imagine how fucking much of a dick I was. I'm a piece of shit sometimes, man. I can, you know, I, I, I could only, I could only imagine and I I don't even I don't remember because I think I might have blocked all the stuff out but the arguments that my dad and I would get into over the dumbest shit because there was so much anger and frustration just there because I couldn't do anything I, I just felt like I was trapped still trying to not piss anybody like I was walking on eggshells the entire time so I was isolated and left went to my room and, and didn't really talk to anybody because I felt like I was walking on eggshells and, and every, every now and then my dad would fight and we'd have fights like we never had before. Just yelling about shit that wasn't important, weren't, wasn't smart. Just, just dickhead type stuff, man. Because I was angry and he was angry and yeah. So eventually, eventually at one point. Uh, at one point, it got so bad. I think during my junior year, it was like rest of, the rest of freshman year kind of went by. Sophomore year was sophomore year was <clears throat> I think the year that uh, I started really finding out who my friends were, and I had my good friends from my from my football team and and all these guys, and I I love these guys. Those are Corey and Austin and. Cameron and RJ and Carson and, and all those guys and it sucks that we've lost touch um with the with the latter guys but Corey and Austin are still still my still my motherfuckers dude those guys are and they've been through some shit as well so I think we all kind of we all kind of we all kind of go we all kind of relate because we all have issues that I mean, Austin and I both resonate on, on the daddy issues that we have. Um, and then Corey, Corey and I resonate on, on the fact that, I mean, he, he's loved me and, and his family's loved me since, 
since before that because you know he, he he's grown up in that family type dynamic where they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna be closed off to you and the reason why I get so emotional about it is because midway through my I think sophomore junior year there was one time when I busted my phone I busted my phone and and I had uh, I got a replacement phone from I got a replacement phone from uh, from from Jason and then when I put my sim card in when I put my sim card in the phone activated and on the cloud it shows you that your phone is your sim card is activated on a certain phone that certain phone was named after or it had a name in relative to to Jason and and my dad found out and and he messaged me and he was like what's this and that turned into a really big big thing where where uh I came home and I got into a fight and then I him and I got my dad and I got into a fight and then I took the phone and I in a fit of rage threw it and broke it in half shattered it and then walked out and and uh a dad told me he was gonna call the cops on me if I left and I was like do it and then I just left and then after I left I went and I stayed at Corey's house and I was there um I was there for a little bit and stayed with them until I came back home um and then after that after that my dad and I just kind of stopped talking even though we lived in rooms right next to each other and that was and that was also the year that that was also the year that uh my friends and I <laughs> That was also the year that my friends and I were really, really dumb with uh, with what we would do um, on Friday nights after games and Saturdays, where we would kind of drown our sorrows in uh, in in the uh, the devil's liquid uh, booze, you know, boozing. It's not good. Especially when you have a problem. It's it's one thing to surround yourself with people with similar problems and, and try to talk your way out of them, even though we were dumb kids and just kind of resonated with each other. We were just all kind of big bunch of sad boys. But it's another thing to be a big bunch of sad boys and then, and then kind of throw alcohol into the mix where... You know, that doesn't really solve anything. It just kind of coats everything. And and I think I've talked about it in another episode where, you know, for a little bit, weightlifting was the thing that I did that kind of coated everything, coated the sadness and coated the pain of being extremely lost in, in that part of my life. And then it eventually turned into the thing that I wanted to do. So, uh rest of rest of junior year goes by senior years goes by and and uh you know i'm i'm spending like every every weekend out of the house um 
oh, not to mention, not to mention, so freshman year I played football. I was really good. I was on, I was a starter on, on freshman and then starter on JV. And then I got pulled up my sophomore year of high school. And then in my, in the first game that I played as a sophomore, I hurt my knee. I hurt my knee and, uh, I, I, that was one of the hardest things to deal with the first time because I never sustained I never sustained an injury like that. And I had to nurse it back to health, do the whole physical therapist rehab kind of thing. And then I was like, okay, I'm cool. I'm ready. Cause it's sophomore year. People are starting to get looked at and I'm, you know, where my fucking looks cause I'm good at football. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't come that year. And then and then later on, after I got healed up, like right after I got healed up, I hurt the other knee. And then that was just the rest of my fucking sophomore year. And then my junior year, same thing, both knees. I think I hurt my knees, I think a total of five, five times. Five times, oh, no, six times, three times on each knee. I had an MCL sprain because... I guess my top half was just too fast for my bottom half. You know what I'm saying? Going left and right. It's a good thing you don't have to go left and right and fucking weightlifting. You got just got to go straight up and down. Um, but I got I got some really bad injuries, and you know, for the longest time, for the longest time, especially growing up, my my dad had told me that you know sports were sport, basically doing sports, whatever sports I could football or baseball but especially baseball because I was really good at baseball nobody believes me but I was really good everybody who I played baseball with you guys can send me all those videos from like 20 from like 20 2008 2009 whatever whatever years those were but I it's the dream man it's it's the dream that you know, I'm on my on my mom's side, I'm the first boy grandchild. So I'm you know, my cousin, my cousin's she's a real nice lady. She's a beautiful girl. She's, you know, she's happily married, has a baby. You know, she's you know, typical typical girl. She's very happy with her life, but I guess in I mean in Hispanic culture it, you know, it's apparently for whatever reason, it, it is all about, you know, it's, it's the firstborn boy and that's me. So on my mom's side of the family, I was a firstborn boy on the, my dad's side. I was a firstborn boy and I'm the only grandson. I'm the only grandson on, on my dad's side, um, my dad's Caesar side. So it's, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're, you're this guy, we're going to pour all of our effort and our love into you and, and you're going to do fucking big things. You're going to do great things. And, and I, I mean, that's, that's kind of relative with every culture, but I think especially just being the firstborn boy, you're like, you're going to do great things. You're going to be, I mean, again, it's like me wanting to be a hero. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the, the guilt that I feel for 
not for not doing it and not being that hero for, for my family or not being that person for my family that could take them out of the, the shitty situations that they're in, you know, not buying houses or cars or that kind of stuff. That's, that's just, that's for me, at least I was a dream. So when I kept getting hurt in, in high school, that dream was getting further and further away, further and further away for, what it was that I wanted to do for them, what I wanted to do for everybody else and take care of my, you know, take care of my dad, take care of my grandma and grandpa on on both sides, take care of my cousins and my mom and just that never happened. And, and, and especially being an emotional person like, like I am, you know, there's, there's some times where I can, I can barely talk. I can barely talk without crying because, because I think all the emotions are just bottled up. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, it's that episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia when Frank is talking to the psychologist and he's like, you unzip me, you know, I unzip really fast because there's just so much emotion bottled up and, and pain and just disappointment. And I feel like I let everybody down and, and everything that I've done. And I know that's not the case that I know I'm learning to be better, but that's why I cry on this podcast because the second I start diving into those emotions that are really real, I can't, I, I can't handle it. I've done my best to keep a, keep a, a firm stone wall in front of me and and uh I do my best to to be very stoic with uh with my emotions and it doesn't work sometimes but I kept getting hurt and and that just never came to fruition so by my senior year I quit playing I, that was the only thing I really ever quit was football I quit playing football to get a job and then I quit playing track. Well, I quit. I quit doing track because I just had to work. And then the graduation came along, and there was a big, big shit show at graduation involving my mom and my dad and my dad's family and Jason's family, and it was just a really really it, nothing nothing like no altercation but it was a really shitty emotional experience to go through where even though <clears throat> you know even though nothing was going right at home with with my dad I to feel like I let him down on on my graduation by having certain people present and then having him inevitably uh, inevitably leave um like without saying bye and then ignoring me uh, and then texting me that he's done, you know, that, that, that hurts. That hurts a little bit. That hurts on the inside. Um, it's just all bad, man. Like it's just, it was a really bad situation to be put in and I've done my absolute best to, to, to handle it, to handle it the best that I could in throughout high school as a kid 
as a kid, I'm still a kid, but as a young kid, I did my best. And I, my best wasn't good enough sometimes. I, I don't feel like it was. Um, my birthday was six days after my 18th birthday was six days after uh graduation and then <laughs> um my okay so it's my uh, you could ask my dad you could ask, here let me let me let me let me bring him in hello Hello. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm talking. I'm talking about when you kicked me out of out of the house. Uh, after when I turned 18, uh, I I consider what you did. You kicked me out. You texted me and you were like, "Hey, get your shit out of my house." When I, like on the day that I turned 18, do you think you kicked me out, or what do you what do you think happened? I don't think I did. You don't think you did? I'm not going to follow the rules. And then I remember, yeah, I do recall when I said, all right, well, then I guess if you're not going to be here, then you got to get your stuff. So that's why I told her. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for, thank you for answering the phone, the phone call while you're in the bathtub, sir. (laughs) All right. Okay. You got it. Okay. Goodbye. Hey, even though, uh, wait, are you recording or what? Yeah. Then you should just I'll go right now. Then you could ask me again. It's better to it's ridiculous. Uh okay, well when you're done you can pop in and we can finish the rest of it. Okay. I'm All on right. I'm on basically the last quarter of my life. Oh, okay. Alright. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. That dude straight fucking kicked me out of the house. He was like, yo he didn't say anything about the rules. He was like, yo, get your shit, get out. And I was like, whatever. Whatever, dog. I don't need that shit. Whatever. I'm out. Deuces. Deuces. Um. <sighs> then afterwards, after he kicked me out, I was on, I was, uh, was kind of going from couch to couch, from friend's house to friend's house, and then I finally found a home with, uh, with uh, a certain certain special someone and uh and i wouldn't be i wouldn't be here with uh if it wasn't for that person so then down the line i'm I'm out of the house and then i i have the crazy notion to the crazy notion to go back to school and play baseball and everyone's heard about this already so I was back in my dad's house. I was back in my dad's house uh, when I wanted to play baseball. And then for uh, whoever hasn't heard the story of Caesar Dreams and me going to talk to that dickhead of a fucking that bitch teacher. Mm, still makes me mad. Um basically i mean 
I, I, I attributed a lot of my failures and a lot of the shitty stuff that happened in my life because I, you know, I, I, I didn't quit those other things. I just hadn't, I didn't know which way to go, but you know, my clothing companies, my writing, my art, I stopped doing all that because I stopped doing all that because I just, I didn't feel for it. I my passion and life and the spark of life just kind of died because of everything that happened. So as time went on, I went, I, you know, I, I kind of gave a lot of that stuff up and I didn't really, I didn't really take anything, uh, take any steps to get any of that stuff better. So yeah, I, I moved back in with my dad and I went to go, um, I went and started to go to school to try to play baseball. That didn't work out. And, uh, and I just kind of gave up on that dream. I finally had to, I finally had to sit back and just kind of let it die. (laughs) And that wasn't a, that's always, that's always painful. That's always a painful thing to do. Let, let what you, uh, let what you love die. And, uh, and whatever, and whatever it is that you, that you are trying to accomplish, trying to, trying to do. So then I, uh, was at a job, was just working at a job and I got just really, really stuck in, uh, really stuck in, in a recursive cycle of just working, going to school and then eventually not going to school. And then, uh, and then just working and I got fat and that was it. That was that. And then in the, uh, in the summer of, no, not the summer, the fall of 2016, that's when I picked up a barbell for the first time. Well, the first time with the intent to do CrossFit and then eventually just weightlifting. You know, that was the cliff note version of my life in an hour and 10 minutes and 34 seconds. So when I talk about all that stuff, when I talk about all the shitty stuff that happened, all the pain, all the anguish, all the disappointment, all the failure and guilt, and that's just my experience with it. And that's the stuff that I have to live with and all the stuff that I had to learn from. And if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for a lot of those terrible experiences being backed up and, and with my, you know, being backed up and, and put in a hard places and, and learning to, I guess, learning to perform the best that I could with what I had at hand. I don't know if I would be the the same the same person. I I don't think I would because if I didn't it wasn't until after I had you know gone out on my own the second time with with Bailey and was out there living and trying to figure out how life worked and knew that it was just a lot harder and 
without any help, it's just, you start appreciating it. You start appreciating everything a lot more. You start appreciating everybody you have around you more. And, and, uh, I think the, there was one thing, there's one thing that I, that I heard. It was, it was in, uh, it was in Creed 2. There was a part where, in the end, at the final fight, Rocky was talking to Adonis and he told him that. He's like, in order to beat this guy, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to get on his inside. You're gonna have to sit there and get your ass kicked. You're gonna sit there and and let him beat the shit out of you. But you could take it. You could take the pain. You like the pain because you can take it. <clears throat> you know, it's it's weird to end this. <coughs> it's weird to end this podcast. Because it's my life and it's not over. It's not over at all. And the funny thing is I know that. I mean, sitting back and listening to what I have to say, oh, 100%, I know that there's people out there with worse stories than me, with with worse lives than I do that are trying to live that same dream that I have, trying to figure out their way. And I'm not knocking anybody, you know. If you're going through a rough time now and you need you need to you need to hear it from from somebody. You need to hear it from somebody that that I don't know. Maybe you think maybe you think of me as as a hero. And I'm not. I'm definitely not. But if you if you think and you feel like I am, I just want you to know that you know, heroes are always born from something. I don't think I am. I don't feel like one because I'm not a hero to myself yet. But, you know, if you're, if, if you're going through a rough time, if you're going through a hard time, it, it does, it does get better. And that's why I like telling you, that's why I like checking in on everybody in the morning when I, or everyone, every time I ask you, you know, how you doing? If, uh, if you're doing good, that's good. If not, you know, it, it does get better. That's, it does get better. So where I'm at now. And this is this is honestly where I'm at now. After all that is said and done, after all that is said and done, after all that trauma and mix of black and blue and red emotions, all that, all that pain, all that anguish, where does it leave me now? It leaves me. It leaves me with. And I'm going to be completely real. It leaves me with there's some months, there's some months out of my life that are really good. And there's some months that are really bad. It doesn't go away. None of this stuff goes away. None of that stuff goes away. None of it gets taken away. You, You don't forget about it. But the thing you can do is you can always learn from it. You can always learn from that pain. You can always learn from from your own situations and your own circumstance. But if there's anything, I mean, if there's anything that I can say now that even though all that stuff is, 
happened around me and I've been involved with it and I've been kind of in the center of all of it because I'm the center of my life. You know, I, I have made my own mistakes in the past. I have, you know, I've used, I've used my situation and my circumstance and everything that's happened around me as an excuse to, to be, you know, to be a sad sack and just kind of float through life and not, and not try for anything, not try to do anything. And, you know, I still do that. It still happens. There's still months where, where I just want to sit and be sad and I just want to sit and blame everybody else. But that's not what champions do. That's not what heroes do. You can't. You have to look at yourself and you have to think about think about doing whatever it takes to to be to be the hero that you want to be for yourself. I don't think anyone sits there and I don't think anyone sits there and says that they want to be a hero for somebody else and that person's a hero and I think it's they want to be a hero for themselves and then their their actions and and what they do for other people that's what makes them a hero and and I I'm not trying to sound like a I'm not trying to sound like a hero what I'm saying is I want to be that hero for myself and I've done some pretty some pretty heroic things after after experiencing all that kind of stuff in my life you know and you got to sit there and you got to you got to be mindful you got to be thankful for for the things that you do have you know if 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 none of that stuff would happen I wouldn't have realized how how important my my family is to me all of my family is how how important they are to me the support system and love that I have from everybody that wants me to be a hero for myself, you know, my friends, my families, all my friends and and my teachers and, and my, you know, the people who are my heroes, the, the things that you can't take for granted also are the, are the shitty moments. Because if you don't have shitty moments, if you don't have bad moments, how are you going to know that you have good moments? You can't. If you have terrible times in your lives, you're not going to realize what you have at that current moment is good. If there's anything that that I can say that I'm proud of for coming, you know, for talking about everything that, that we just talked about, I'm finally starting to see the beauty in life. I'm finally starting to see the importance of communication and talking and, and and getting what I have to say out. But I'm also, you know, a lot of a lot of the bad stuff <clears throat> a lot of the bad stuff that's going on in my life now is is regardless of if it's circumstantial 
in my life. If it's just stuff that I can't control for stuff that I can't control. And I, I, I have to learn to not let it control me because things happen. Things happen at you. They don't happen to you. I think that's, that's it, right? Yeah. Things happen at you. Yeah, I'm 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 proud of myself. I'm proud of I'm proud of the things that I've accomplished. I'm proud of the man that I am today, even though I do have those months where I am a sad, droopy piece of shit and and you know, everyone's going to have those months. Everyone's going to have those days. You know, I've had I've had a really rough last couple of weeks. I think it's a mix of everything where I'm really anxious. I'm really nervous for nationals coming up. I'm really excited for nationals coming up. I'm, you know, it's, it's starting to, everything's starting to get a little bit more real because the closer that I get to actually fulfilling my dream, it's, I don't know. It, it does get a little bit more real and I'm getting closer to being the hero that I need to be for myself. Because it's only then that that I can, that other people can start thinking of me as, as a hero. And that's, I don't want that. I don't want that title. I'm not saying to call me that. I just want to be that for myself. And I want everybody that's listening to this podcast to to be that hero for themselves. told you this was a different kind of podcast this is going to be a real one in in the last in the last two years in the last yeah two years since I started weightlifting I have started a new you know started a new sport that I had very little you know very little knowledge in um, when I first started weightlifting, I went from snatching 95 pounds and then within from August to June of the next, yeah, the following year on my birthday, I snatched 300 pounds. I clean and jerked 400 pounds or I cleaned 400 pounds or 405 pounds. I think in about a year from when I first put my hands on, on a barbell, um, I got a, you know, I, I became a, I became a, a higher up at a job, um, you know, a management position. And I left that job to go, um, to go do something that I thought I was going to help with and be passionate about with, uh, with another, with, with another company, you know, I got fired from that job. Uh, I went to nationals and I, I got top 12 in, in the United States. Uh, I started, you know, I've, I, I, I had to move out of my house and I lived in an apartment and, and learn how to be on my own and got sprayed by a fucking skunk. Um, that sucked. Uh, had to learn how to budget and live off of very little money and 
I had to, you know, move again after I got hurt. I experienced a, another injury and then I had to come back from that injury. I started a podcast. I've, you know, I'm at a, uh, I'm at a, another job where I'm a, I'm an actual manager. You know, it's, you, you gotta have a lot of, you have, you have to have a lot of bad things to really appreciate the good things you have. And, and, and don't, don't think you have to be very mindful of, of where you are currently because if your life is going okay, if your life is going well, if your life is going well, it's very easy to get complacent. I even wrote it on my wall because the last the last three last three weeks, like month, I've been really pissed and anxious and depressed because everything has gotten so gotten so okay in my life that I haven't really pushed for anything and and I'm not I just kind of got stagnant and uh, I wrote that I wrote down that I'm not good enough to be complacent as I currently am because I haven't worked as hard enough to rest I haven't earned it and I let I let victory defeat me um, I let victory get me soft and get me all cushy and nerfy and uh, don't let that happen to you everything can be okay don't think about the bad things that can happen you can't dwell on you can't dwell on on the past and all the bad things that you've done in the past and, and the person you were back because we've all made mistakes but it's about who you are now and the hero that you want to be for yourself and your family and your kids and, and those, those people. So don't think about the bad things that could happen. If everything's going okay, you got to be happy. And also you can't get complacent. Don't get complacent because things could definitely always be worse, but things can always be better. You can always make them better. <sighs> okay. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for uh, for listening as long as you guys did. If you guys did, it's been this has definitely been uh, one of those one of those episodes. Um, I'll talk to you. I'll be back next week. I'll, uh, I'll get uh, an episode or two out next week, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk later. Thanks everybody who's listening. Uh, and again, remember. None of that was to make you guys feel sorry for me. None of that was for you guys to feel pity for me. All it was was to show you that life is going to smack you in the mouth, man. Or woman. Whoever's listening. Life is going to smack you in the mouth and it's going to be things that you can't control, things that you can. And and you're going to have to deal with it in whichever way you can and and... And it's just, it's just life. You got to move forward. You got to move on. You got to be, be your own hero. Whichever way you can. I'm, I'm definitely trying to, to be a hero for myself for the first time in a long time. So I'm going to finish this up 
I'm going to write my goals down again for the first time in a while. And I'm going to get back to work because nationals are coming up in two weeks and and I need to I need to bust some ass. So thank you, everybody. Have a have a good rest of your day, your rest of your morning, your afternoon, your evening. I uh, love you guys. Goodbye. <laughs>